You're listening to The Outlet. I caught up with Julia Blackford, who is a member of the Board of Trustees for wow.co.nz on food resilience and sustainability. Now, can you tell me a bit about the concept of food resilience and why it's important? Yeah, for sure. So food resilience is the ability of a community to prepare for, withstand and recover from a shock or a disruption in a way that ensures we get enough sort of safe and sufficient food to, to feed ourselves. And it's important because as we're starting to see, the way we feed ourselves now is very reliant on things that can be disrupted. So if you look at what has happened up in the Hawke's Bay recently or some of our food coming in to the country has been affected by wars overseas. So we're starting to see these sort of shock events happen a bit more. So food resilience is about how do we ensure that we still can get the food that we need even if we're starting to experience more and more of these sort of shocks and disruptions. So what do you think individuals and communities can do to improve food resilience in the area? Yeah, so interestingly, if you took a snapshot of our region sort of 150 years ago, we were actually very resilient. So the way to become resilient is to, first of all, get a closer connection with your food. So that's around growing it or picking it or understanding where it comes from. Buying locally is a, is a very big way to do that. It's about making your food system a little bit closer to home rather than being so reliant on you know, overseas and in different areas of New Zealand. Food wastage is a massive problem as well around the world. So yeah. what effect does that have on the environment? Well, the problem with food waste is it's a bit of a, a double hit. So in the first instance, our food system, our global food system, is arguably the biggest emitter of carbon, the, the way that we distribute and grow and intensively farm our food. So the global average is one third of our food doesn't actually get eaten. So if you've created one third of those massive amount of emissions for no purpose other than to be put into the bin, you can imagine that is a really unnecessary emitter of carbon. On the other side, when we throw away food and if it's not composted properly or dealt with properly, it emits methane. So you've kind of got this double situation where you've grown the food and created the carbon emissions and you're not putting that food to good use and then on the other hand you've got all this food rotting and wasting in landfills which is creating methane so it's a, it's a really big problem. Can you share any successful examples of some local food systems or projects that promote food sustainability and resilience? Yeah for sure so I mean there's projects there's a bit of a movement all over the world definitely some places are much further progressed but one of the most successful campaigns that I've ever seen is actually back in the 1940s was it was called the wartime victory gardens so all of a sudden you know the way that food was made was and distributed was suddenly cut down due to the war and there was a huge push on people growing in their small allotments their back gardens their windowsills and they shifted you know huge amount of of their calories suddenly became hyper local there's a couple of great examples of things called CSAs. Now, CSAs are community-supported agriculture. And how that works is you have your local farmers and orchardists in your local community essentially agrees to buy a proportion of their harvest or their produce ahead of time, almost like a, um, oh, what's it called, you know, <laughs> a subscription model is what I'm looking for. And so that food gets the farmer and the grower a really decent price because the middleman's cut out and 
the community gets to reap all these wonderful sort of local foods. So that's something that has worked really well overseas and certainly something that we would like to look at doing here. And also you've seen in a lot of places, particularly around cities, where urban farms have been established to sort of help subsist the population with food. And those have been really successful. Quite a lot of those in in poorer areas around the States and Seattle and Detroit, for example. So there's a whole lot of ways that we can do it. But really, the most important thing is to understand what our particular set of challenges and risks are here in our region so that we can create solutions that work for us uh, in our particular use, our particular sort of challenges. So one really interesting thing that we have here in the Queenstown Lakes District is we feed our population, but we feed a massive tourist population that's far, far bigger than our own population. So we need to think about how we would factor that in if we did have a crisis or a sudden shock. So that's something we're building into our project that we're looking at. You've done a food resilience survey, so what are you looking for in the feedback you got? What we're trying to understand is what we call the food flow in our region. So we spend a lot of time talking to our farmers and our growers and our producers and our distributors to tell us what food they're creating, but that doesn't tell us actually much about what food our community is eating. So the survey is designed to get a snapshot of where our calories are coming from now. So we're trying to understand where most of our population is buying their food to really understand what that food flow looks like. And again, that information will then feed into our solutions and the way that we come up with projects will hopefully make our population a bit more food resilient. So where can people go to find more information on food resilience, Julia? So we've got lots of information on our website, which is www.wao.co.nz and you'll see there a tab on food resilience. And there is some more information about the project we're doing and we plan to keep this updated with all the results of our study.